Well, your stupid little face makes me wanna kill myself. And your petite figure makes you look like a nun. Remember how good you were at Guitar Hero? Well, nobody gives a shit about that now, do they, bro? And remember the leak in your bedroom, and I say that leak was intentional and it was all about peace. If you're hearing the song everyone around you is saying They wish you weren't here and if you left they would be glad But it's not all doom and gloom for you, Sean Cause in a circle jerk you'd be the reservoir Two, three, four, All right. Five. We are live. Welcome back to, you know, season two, episode two of Fantasy for Manly Men. Uh, I'm Ben here with my co-host, Pete. Hi, Ben. It's me, the co-host. Oh, it's so great to have a co-host. I thought about doing this by myself for a while and doing voices and that just wasn't going to work out. You're much more interesting than I am. I don't know about that all the time, but uh, sometimes. Well, we're happy to be back in our second season of this uh, uh podcast here and what season of our uh, fantasy league is this now that's a good question um let's see we've done it i think we did what two drafts for sure on my rooftop at 411 one at brooms then we've done the last two so it's a minimum of five but it's it's been older than older than that uh i would say i think maybe like seven, seventh or eighth season yeah that's pretty awesome. We've had a good crew and only had to kick out one person, and luckily we were able to replace him. We didn't him. kick him out. He he wanted to leave. Well, yes, but it, we'll say we kicked him out because he was just being a, a little Nancy boy about it. He and we, we upgraded and diversified at the same time. Oh, we need that diversification. Although we lost a ginger, gained a Jew. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's a it's a fair trade. It's definitely a fair trade. We We won that one. Well, anyway, Pete, we are post-draft here. We always draft the last uh, last weekend in August, and we got to spend a nice another weekend at your lake house. Uh, the weather was just fine. It wasn't warm, uh, but it was nice. We got out on the boat and jetting out for a ride, and a lot of people enjoying the jet skis, and nobody crashed into the docks this year. So, yeah. all a good year. Uh, everyone returned home alive, I believe. I haven't gotten any death notices, so that's definitely a plus. Uh, I would say the weather was more than just fine. It was a a beautiful sunny day. The lake was placid, calm. We were able to use the boat and the jet skis. It got a little rougher towards the end, which is kind of fun though on the jet skis. And uh, it was a, it was a little chilly, but it was still seventy something. And that lake, when it's when it's like that, the lake is almost warmer than the air because that yeah. lake is so shallow that it just maintains its heat all summer, especially when it's been heating up. Like by this time, late August, that lake is nice and warm. Um, yeah, it could have been a little bit warmer and you guys were, it was a good decision. Uh, I know that everyone had their own stuff to do, but worked out on Saturday for people leaving. Cause I, I stayed all day Saturday. It was just a shit day. It was, yeah. it was overcast 
until early afternoon and then drizzly. So we wouldn't have been able to do much anyway. But uh, Friday was a lot of fun. We got some good boating in. The people that wanted to jet ski got to jet ski, had some fire, some we liquor. Had a, feast, a major feast. A uh, major feast. Uh, always, that's, that's, we're always going to uh, have a major feast. A whole chicken. Yeah, that was pretty barbaric of us. It was awesome. Nauman, shouts to you for cooking that with, with thyme, uh, the homegrown thyme that you used, even though he didn't know that such a thing existed. It did. And that was a nice little treat for all of us. Uh, what else did we have, Ben? Oh, we had brats. Uh, mm. We had burgers as well. I mean, all all the meats for these manly men. All the Sean, meats. Sean whipped up a salad, as he does. Sean, again, shaved off the kernels of corn from his cob of corn, mm-hmm. which was just... I mean, I guess that's what robots like to do. They like to shave and just use metal and cut it off. We can talk more about Sean's roboticness during the draft as when we, when we talk about some of the highlights, because he had a he had a wonderful moment that I really, really enjoyed. Um, and yeah, it was, we had a, a, a delicious food and we were in Wisconsin. So we have to mention cheese. We had plenty of cheese. Yes. Um, my mom had a casserole of cheesy potatoes. I don't know, a big platter of them ready to go mm-hmm. that were, uh, I always, I, I, I give her shit about her cheesy potato. Well, I don't give her shit. I tell her, I tell her that they're delicious. And so she always makes them for me. And, uh, I, but then I also am not afraid to critique them. And this was one of her best platters of cheesy potatoes she's ever done. Well, then um, she had some cheesy, bready, sausagey eggs in the morning. That oh, were yeah. Fantastic. One of the best egg casseroles I've ever had. And yeah. I emailed Sean Carr, wanted the recipe for that. And I, I sent him the email that my mom sent me. And then an additional note that my mom sent me regarding Sean Carr and, uh, what he was and was not to do with her recipe. And he didn't believe that she said that, but she did indeed say it. Um, so I can read that actually, if you want to. Oh yeah. If you pull that up um, while you're pulling that up, I'm going to just talk a little bit about, uh, we did do some, have a meeting that got kind of delayed and some of the people were, well, thankfully everybody was able to draft. Uh, I know people are on different time schedules and whatnot, but everybody was drafting in real time, which was fantastic. And yeah. uh, some, some of the things that we voted on, um, even though not everybody was able to be there, we did reach majorities on two quick votes. And uh, two of those things were moving from the waiver wire priority to a waiver wire auction first um, mm-hmm. using an acquisition budget of $200. And if there were ever a tie in that acquisition budget, then it would move to the, the second um, prioritization, which would be the, the weekly priorities. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that goes this year um, and how the, the bidding goes and who, who uses up their bi- uh, their budget all the way and who does not. Yeah, it's a fairly easy concept to me. Uh, I am sure that people will be confused, and that's a reason why I'm glad I have you on board to help out this year because I don't want to deal with all the annoying confusion this is sure to uh, result in. But I think it's going to be a fun, fun little wrinkle. And I know Blecka during the draft brought up uh, moving to full-time auction draft style, and that is that's a possibility down the road. Uh, Blecka wouldn't shut up about it for a couple of minutes, but he was the he was the draft king, so that was his right to complain. Even though we were like, "All right, dude, let's move on. We can talk about this in a couple of years. It's not going to happen right now." But I think this 
auction style free agent waiver budget thing is going to be interesting. And it's a step towards that. If it, and uh, if we decide that we like the way that this is working, then a couple years down the line, maybe we can figure out a system to convert draft picks to auction value and do it then. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this, how this goes this year. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And I definitely think if we were to move to that draft style, we would need to be able to confirm a way that we would have all 10 people. I mean, For in sure. the same yeah. room would be yeah. the best, but otherwise I don't know how that would go and might have to do some research, but just kind of get my, my stride in getting some of these online drafting tools with the snake drafting going. So I've kind of liked the way that it worked out this year. And yeah, you know, at least we, we did say that we would wait, we'd have to vote on the auction thing and then implement it in a, a year, two years rather than the following year, just because it would influence people's, uh, it would influence a lot and it'd be a big change. Yeah. But, it's a, it's down the road. It's a possibility down the road and we'll see if we get there. It's, it's not a point to really talk much about right now. People are thinking well, about it and that's that. Yeah, and I teased a, a second rule change, but I'm going to let you uh, read out this email uh, as a nice little interlude in between. That oh, your mother. Yeah. Did. So, just just a little funny note I thought from my mom. She Sean wanted the the recipe to that breakfast casserole, and she sent it, and she sent all the ingredients, and she said optional ingredients, you know, mushrooms, tomatoes. Ew, I, mom. That's I, I should call her out for even including tomatoes. Gross. But then, you know, she goes into the instructions and she goes, you know, half the cheese, half the sausage and whatever, quote, optional ingredient you're putting in, blah, blah, blah. And then she texted me later. I guess she forgot to include this in her email. She was like, tell Sean Carr he isn't allowed to put any of his weirdo optional ingredients in because he's going to fuck it all up with some sort of bullshit, exotic anchovy or gross foo-foo, annoying ass food like that. So (laughs) Sean didn't believe that. Uh, that my mom actually said that, but she did. And so I hope Sean does make this breakfast casserole because I'm sure he'd do a good job with it. But I just hope he knows he's not allowed to put some stupid-ass Sean Carr food in there. Yeah, and now that I'm recalling that delicious casserole, and I know Sean, I I worked with him in kitchens for all of our college life together and in the college apartments together. But, um, you know, I I have no doubt that he'll be able to whip up something nice. And, you know, I'm getting my mouth is starting to water. Pete, I'm going to need that email as well. And you can put a nice little disclaimer to your mother um, for that recipe that I will not fuck it up. Uh, just cheese and meats go in that, baby. Deal. I'll send, it, right. I'll send it out to everybody if they want. Yeah. It, it, for those guys who weren't there, uh, McBroom, I know you can cook too. You might you might love that. Uh, well, anyway, the, the, the nice little break there and going back to the rule changes that we had. Uh, the other w- rule change that won uh, a un- uh, majority vote, so that was six votes, um, so that didn't require the other remote drafters to actually have an opinion on it. Sorry, guys, but that's just the way things go, and you don't get a debate if you're not there. But we changed the weekly payouts. Uh, each week we have a $20 weekly payout to it used to be the highest-scoring team of the week, and now that has changed to the 14 regular season uh, games. Each week has a different uh, bonus. Whoever gets the wins that category gets the weekly payout creates a little bit more variability like we discussed in our pre-draft uh, trade or rule change talk. And so, um, uh, yeah, I, 
I think it'll be a nice little variation that'll maybe keep people a little bit more interested and keep their tinkering with their lineups all week long and all season long. Yeah, the whole point of the weekly payouts was to keep people interested all season long. Um, but then you get to the end of the season, and especially after trades and whatnot, and people that are kind of see the writing on the wall and are playing for next year kind of lose their their good players uh, you know, or their early round players, whatever. And, you know, those people aren't going to win as much of the weekly payouts later in the year. So it kind of defeats the purpose and the weekly payouts end up usually just going to the people who are winning the league and making the playoffs, et cetera, anyway. So uh, I'm, I like the weekly payout idea. The weekly winners was a simple way to do it. Uh, I'm a little ho-hum on, on this new kind of way that we're doing it, but I am always for some experimentation and, you know, trying a little little something new, uh, especially when it's like a fun little wrinkle like this. So all for giving it a year and seeing how it shakes out. And if it turns into a bunch of arguing, well, that's actually probably a good thing. Uh, <laughs> we want We could use some more controversy. As I stated in the last podcast, I will draw that up. But anyway, yeah, like I, I think it'll be a fun, fun thing to see how it goes this year, and we can keep it the same. We're kind of a, amend it next year for the maybe if there are particular like categories or whatever that we like, we can have more of those next year and see which ones that we like and which ones we don't, and kind of uh, take it from there. But I think it's a fun, neat little uh, twerk, as I say, instead of tweak. Yeah, so. yeah, and I, I think. Um... I think, yeah, the categories are definitely up for discussion. There's These are just ones that I kind of found for a list of ones to get us going, and it, there could be more fun categories, like maybe the kicker with the most missed field goals is Ooh, one that would win the week. That's a sexy one. I uh, knew you could like that. I might uh, just say, oh, yeah, I really like that one, actually. Um, <laughs> which is a, is a hard wrinkle to play in, in your uh, lineup because, you know, you might need a few more points to get over your uh, whoever you're playing that week, but a kicker who's missing a lot of field goals um, isn't really going to help you get there, but they will get you some money. So weird. Well, if they're missing those extra points too, it'll help you. Yeah. But I'll, I'll give a quick rundown of uh, these weekly payouts. Week one, highest scoring wide receiver. Two, highest scoring running back. Three, highest scoring quarterback. Four, team with the overall highest score. Five, team with the largest margin of victory. Six, highest scoring tight end. Seven, player with the most receptions. Uh, it's eight, highest scoring, two wide receiver set. That can include flex, so any two wide receivers with the highest scores. Um, nine, team with the smallest margin of victory. Ten, highest scoring running back set, again, including flex. Eleven, wide receiver set with the most total receptions. Twelve, highest scoring running back and wide receiver set, including flex. Thirteen, defense with the most turnovers. Since there aren't a lot of turnovers, there's a tiebreaker goes to the team with the most sacks and then second tiebreaker fewest points allowed. And then 14 is the overall season points leader. So there is a little bit of the oh, person okay. who has the most points. Um, that was one I had to add in at the last minute because the previous listing I had only had three, 13 weeks. So I don't think anybody could argue with the overall season points leader getting uh, $20 bucks, $20 yeah. bucks. Exactly. Yeah, Especially if they don't win first place. Good. Right. Well, uh, everyone, I hope that, You've written those down because they'll never be said or written again. Uh, well, I'll announce it each week. So no, uh, in that. our podcast, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you'll have to have memory. So yeah, that's another um, uh, 
unwritten but said rule of this uh, rule change tweak is that you are responsible for this. <laughs> I'm not going yeah, to, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, not responsible you, you can for check. the finances this year. And so yeah. once everybody gets me paid, I will actually be do, distributing those weekly payouts as they come just so I stay on top of it. I know it'll help me keep it and it'll keep people interested uh, as we go along. Cool. But I need all that money, all those, that 125, those dues in, and those are due by the fourth week of the regular season. Uh, there was, it was, the date exact date was listed in the email, but otherwise you lose a keeper slot for each week. You don't have that in. Mm-hmm. And those have been the rules for several years now. Yeah. We've been pretty lenient on that. Um, but try and get that money in people. Venmo me, you know, PayPal. Uh, I'll be distributing everything via PayPal back to people. I'll keep one account with that. Or if you are the lucky winner of a bunch of Sacagawea dollars, I will take 125 of those as well. Yes. However, you will be paid. Uh, sorry, I'm just trying to fix a drawer that is apparently unfixable. So let's okay. move on. It's a good time to do the that. Drawer and the topic. All right. So new. Uh, there's a couple of rule changes that are still up on the the uh, docket that we can actually get done before the season starts, and they can be implemented. So these need to be voted on. And uh, the first one deals with keepers. Do you want to talk about that a little, Pete? Sure. Uh, it's been discussed ad nauseum in years past and multiple emails and probably thousands of words at this point. But the general thing is I like keepers. I like uh, rewarding loyalty. I like keeping the same person. Um, I Every year, motion or put forward that we add a keeper. Uh, I will again next year and the year after. Probably will get shot down. We'll see. Until until it doesn't, I'll keep doing it. Anyway, this this rule kind of is just like a another little twerk to uh, let people hold on to their players for a little longer and reward loyalty. So if a player that you've kept doesn't matter if it's the first time you've kept him. Let's you're keeping a player later in the later in the draft. If that player, let's say, is a seventh round player, then uh, the next year you want to keep him, he's a fifth-round player. Anytime a player crosses the fifth round, though, this is the, the fifth-round threshold rule. Once that player crosses the fifth round, instead of losing two years, you just lose one year. So a player kept in the seventh is then kept in the fifth is then kept in the fourth. If a player is kept in the eighth round or drafted in the eighth round, then the next year he's kept as a sixth, the next year he's kept as a fourth, and then he's kept as a third, two, one, etc. So you don't, you know, the, the confusion would only be that players, you know, that are being kept at a sixth round value, are they applicable, applicable to the one round that next year? No, it's, it's they have to cross the fifth round threshold, and then it's a one year thing. So any players that are cross, have crossed that threshold, drop down from two round punishment or penalty to a one round. So what, once you have to get into the nitty gritty there where those decisions are really mattering, um, you just, you can hold on to the players that you really like that have been. Oh, oh, Pete, I'm going to have to cut you off here. I got some hot news right off the press. I just analyzed the results from our draft survey and the results are in on this measure. And yeah. with the six votes that are needed to make a definitive decision, 
The ruling is change the keepers. Keepers advance two rounds and per year until they reach round five. Oh, good. So no more rambling from me. We can just get on because that's that's the way I would have voted and uh, or did vote. I think you did vote. And had it had the outcome been different, I would have kept on complaining. But good. All right, that's awesome. So lock that one in, fellas. Uh, that is the way things are happening now. So what was what are the what are some other rules? The other changes? one is the trade deadline, and I'm going to analyze okay. the results while you talk about that a little bit. <laughs> Well, do I need to talk about it or have... Well, i got to look at these results. Real Well, here, how about you move on to the consolation bracket and tell us about that. Okay. That one, uh, I, I've, when we were going over this draft night, you know, I had a, a beer or two at that point and uh, hadn't really fully formed this idea in my head even before then. So anyway, the point that, th- that or the genesis, the catalyst, of wanting to make some sort of rule involving the consolation bracket is to give the consolation bracket some sort of meaning. Uh, I had never been in the consolation bracket until last year, and it was it was awful to have these fantasy games that just don't mean shit. Normally, I'm in the playoffs, you know, winners win, and well, I've never won the playoffs. But anyway, uh, I was in the consolation bracket, and it was a tale of woe and sorrow. And I'd like to end that and make the constellation bracket mean a little something. So I propose the constellation bracket significance rule, and that is the winner of the constellation bracket gets to choose his draft slot. So if he wants to pick first, cool. Uh, he gets to pick first, and then last place picks second, second to last picks third. The, the rest of the draft is, or is filled out the way it always has been. If the consolation bracket winner is like, uh, I'd ra- I like, I want to pick fourth because I think I can get value there, and then coming back, I pick sooner. What, wherever the consolation bracket player wants to pick, he gets to choose his draft slot, and then the rest of the draft is filled in as it has always been in years past, um, with the minor bump of that consolation bracket winner being in the slot that he wants to. And then, then the draft is just filled in around him as usual. And now Pete, would this be a tradable asset? Um, yeah. I mean, it just, just so far as the way that it's a draft pick and you can trade it. Um, okay. So I guess that if you want to trade the, the choosing of where you're picking in the draft, then that's something that you have to decide on. Like, let's say I win the constellation bracket or more realistic, you win the constellation bracket. I win yeah. the normal person bracket, and then I want to. I want to pick where I get to choose in the draft. I, you can you can trade me that, but it's you just set where your first round pick is, and then I get that. I get All that. Right. Pick. Is, I, no, I don't want to complicate it. Where you know. Um, Unless the players just say, we want to trade every draft pick for every draft pick, uh, then fine. But no, otherwise just treat it as a normal draft pick. All right. Well, and right now that uh, is in a dead heat with three votes for and three votes against the consolation bracket. So we still need four people to vote. Um, That'd be great. And there does need to be a majority to change. 
Um, I just don't see any downside to this. I really don't. I, I think people might just be confused by it, um, but I think that you make it clear that just the winner of the bracket gets to pick their draft spot. Um, yeah. Right. There was definitely confusion on draft night and maybe confusion with uh, my first email because I kind of was thinking it out while I was writing, and then I added an amendment where I forget even what the amendment was, but the amendment was super confusing. So it's a pretty simple rule. Constellation bracket winner chooses their draft slot. The rest of the draft goes as normal or is slotted right. as normal. So, and then, uh, and also the, uh, the week of is in a dead heat right now too. So we, we still need, I think, uh, three people to respond to, or four people to respond to that as well. So, Respond to what in the tra- uh, trade deadline should be. These things aren't that complicated. Just get in there and vote, and you know we can have an outcome. Yeah. Um, Let me just say a quick piece on the trade deadline. Um, I've, I guess I didn't last year. I was distracted. Uh, but I've always just said it for the latest possible one that Yahoo wants, and that's for two reasons. Just that's when the trade talk just starts to heat up. Is you know early to mid. November. And then, you know, it, with our league, people are, it takes two to three weeks of back and forth before somebody finally agrees on a deal. It rarely, rarely, in my experience, at least happens quickly. Uh, there, there's a lot of back and forth in that November period. And just giving us an extra week uh, is helpful. I, I, I guess I understand the point of people saying it's like too close to playoffs or whatever. I, I really I understand that, I guess, but I just don't see how that would affect people's decisions. Um, and then just kind of just outside of the realm of our league, I, I talk about fantasy football like all day on Thanksgiving, just football with family that I rarely see or don't see that often. And just people are talking trades and fantasy and stuff like that. And it's just a conversation piece and it's something to have uh, like, on the table to talk about at Thanksgiving when you're munching on shrimp before you stuff turkey down your gullet that you want to just talk about some fantasy football. And like, I just, I similar to the constellation bracket, I, I just don't really see the downside in having the trade deadline after Thanksgiving. Um, I, I just don't get why that's such a big factor, but yeah, uh, I definitely am for keeping it, later and giving the people, people this summer were complaining about how few trades there were. So like, let's help that by making the trade deadline later, there will be more trades then. And then people won't complain about the lack of trades this next summer. Yeah. I think in right now it looks like everybody wants to at least push it to week 11 or 12. Nobody wants that, that week 10 deadline. Uh, I don't know what that is. I just, I only do like the, what is the date? Um, well, November, the one, the, the one November, that's right after Thanksgiving. November 25th is the, the latest. And that's, yeah. that's the one that's the, you know, the day after Thanksgiving or two days after that Saturday. But I think people too that's need perfect. to, to be more responsive. I don't know what the preferred method in talking trades. I feel like text is the best way, but you know, sometimes it's hard to get trades out there when you send over something an offer to somebody and, you don't get any kind of response. At least I could get, you know, like a, a hell no or like try again, sucker, something like that. Yeah. But, you know, I, well, yeah. I've, I've always advocated for more open communication and yeah. been beating that drum for years and years. So 
you know. Everybody uh, needs something, and, uh, you know, sometimes we've got to figure out how we can make it work for both. The best kind of trades are the ones that, that help both teams. One, you know, teams shouldn't be getting screwed over. Everybody has uh, unequal balances of talent, and, you know, having those balance out, uh, especially with people who aren't in your division, shouldn't, should be something we should try to strive for a bit more. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, it's just... Yeah, obviously every trade helps, that ideally helps both teams or from the one trader's perspective helps your team more, but everyone has their own style or vision of how they're going to run their team. You know, for example, some psychopath might take LaShawn McCoy with the first overall pick when Antonio Brown's sitting right there, who knows? But the point is that people are going to run their teams the way that they want to run them and unless it's like obviously just an awful trade that there's some something going on behind the scenes here, you know, let it pass. That and uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how we've gotten into talking about vetoes, but um, yeah, let's. Uh, I, I've said my two cents on the, the yeah, trade deadline. Yeah. Well, and now, so you're leading into the draft analysis as our our next little segue, and hopefully uh, here, segue there. Uh, you know, we we do have uh, guys. I won't be able to put out all the great music that I've had intro and outro for this podcast. Uh, because uh, I'm trying to be a law-abiding citizen. So we're going to have to get some original music, and I think uh, we will have an original track you guys heard at the beginning of this and then at the end uh, by uh, Stephen Blacka, a great uh, contemporary American artist that everybody should be familiar with. But we also may be getting some original music by one uh, Wilden Hughes the Sixth, uh, that might be our theme song, and maybe some drops too, so nice little, you know, weekly matchups kind of drops that we can go into for transitions, but yeah. Speaking of transitions, you just destroyed your beautiful segue into draft talk by bringing up music out of nowhere. I mean, that's a good point. I want some drops is all I'm saying. I need some drops to help us uh, smooth out those transitions, musical drops. Well, you've been doing rather well with the transitions in the first two weeks, Ben, except for this most recent one that, you started off well and then went off on a tangent about music. Well, I, I can do a little mouth guitar. Draft analysis. Okay, let's just get to the draft analysis. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I had the first overall pick, and you're ribbing into me already for, for drafting LaShawn McCoy over Antonio Brown. Not just uh, me, but the in- entirety of the Scandinavian countries were, were laughing at you, according to our Scandinavian correspondent. Well, you know, I have Martavis Bryant that I got to keep in the tenth round, and I just really, I really don't like the idea of having two top uh, wide receivers on the same team. Why do you um, explore a trade? <laughs> I don't want to have to to look at uh, both of them each week and see figure out who's going to get the touchdowns that week. I'd rather just uh, pick my tight or pick my guy and have him go because I know that they have a good matchup, and you know sometimes Ben's going to get it to. Uh, Antonio and other times he's going to get to my guy and I'm just, that's the way it's going to go. So I went with a running back, which I needed and I, I'm taking LaShawn McCoy. He's going to get a whole bunch of, he doesn't have Gillisley there anymore behind him. So I think he's going to get a ton of play and uh, Buffalo is going to have to run it a lot because they're, you know, going to have to stay on the field somehow and th- throwing interceptions isn't a great way to do it. So yeah. Uh, that, that's why I went with McCoy, and that let Brett get Antonio Brown, and I'm fine by that. Right. I'm still confident in my pick. Ah, yeah, I mean, I, it's nothing against LaShawn McCoy. I had him last year. I don't know if it was in this league, but 
he's a he's a great player, and I agree that he's going to get a lot of work. They're going to run him just a lot. Uh, they don't have many other options, especially with Watkins gone. Um, I just think <laughs> Antonio Brown is just solid and a, a, a less of a risk. But yeah, I love running backs, and McCoy is fun to watch, and he's going to be he's he's going to be really good. I just think. First overall is a little rich for my blood for Mr. Shady, but you do you. Like I said, you can pick, you can run your team however your golden little heart desires. Yeah, and well, with all the keepers that everybody has plugged in, we we kind of have a weird draft where uh, there's some top real high players like David Johnson, those that might go first overall otherwise um, that that yeah. don't because of the right. keepers. And I, I think I surprised some people too, even being up in Packer country and not going with Aaron Rodgers. As yeah, the that was another shocker too. I, I feel like there's more talent at the quarterback position um, and less the, the running back, especially with the keepers. We have a lot of running back keepers, and that's where I was getting into it. What else What else is popping off on this board to you, Pete? Uh, well, we know Broom loves his rookie running backs. He loves that young, fresh meat uh, and. It, I wasn't really surprised to see him go at Fournette, number six overall. I think that that'd be a little rich, rich for my blood. But I guess the Packers, Sean Carr, that trader robot, took uh, Jordy Nelson, number five. <laughs> and yeah, Fournette, Fournette going in the first round, and Zeke Elliott going in the first round. We don't even know if he's going to play until the sixth game. But that was by Vaughn, who's got you know those keepers that we talked about. So. If anyone can take a risk there, it'd be yeah, fine. I heard, I heard some lawyer talk coming out, I think today, too, about Zeke, uh, possibly uh, somebody else signing an affidavit declaring that Zeke was in a different spot or um, giving an alibi to him where or the girl, some something coming up where the story's not adding up and that it may get pushed, um, the trial may get pushed until later in the season and he could potentially play in week one. If he doesn't, if he stays on Goodell's good side, now Goodell could put him on the player exempt list and not allow him to play. So it'd be interesting <laughs> to see how that be, shakes out. That would be an awesome Fjord move by Commissioner Goodell. I would not put that past him. Just to be like, I if don't care what the courts say. He's not allowed to play in my league. Damn it! It's if he was a Patriot, you know it would happen. Oh, for sure. Or a Steeler. I don't know how he. I don't know what the relationship with uh, Jerry and the Raj is, but you know, I if I were to guess, it's it's probably not the best relationship, just because Jerry likes his attention and so does Roger. So we'll see how that one shakes out. It'll be an interesting story, and for the sake of our league, I do love to watch Ezekiel Elliott run the football. Uh, but I don't like the Cowboys. I hate I hated Ohio State, and I sure as fuck don't like the face police. Uh, so I hope that he's out for, for six full games, even though the joy of getting to watch one of the most gifted running backs in the NFL run the football uh, would, be, would be a small price to pay for fucking over Vaughn in some capacity. Yeah. Well, and I think Vaughn was uh, – he was definitely in the car listening to the first podcast uh, with me, and I think he was drinking some of that uh, Derek Carr juice you were splashing around because yeah. he went and grabbed him right in the second. Yeah, good pick. I I forgot he got hurt, though, at the end of the last year, and I, I, think, I haven't heard much about him not being ready to play, though. So I think he is 
he's expected to come back and start week one, I believe, right? Yeah, I think so, wasn't it? Yeah, so that's a good pick there. Did he have another injury besides that dislocated thumb? Was there something, a knee injury? Was it just a thumb injury? If it was just a thumb injury, then he's definitely there. Oh, yeah, he'll be definitely fine. Uh, Oh, no, he did have a leg injury. I thought it was a leg injury, but I don't know. If he's... Broken fibula, which is actually the, a better kind of leg injury than, you know, any kind of ligament damage. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, yeah. Fibula. So you got to feel good about that. Yeah. Ooh, but that's a rough one, fibula. Wait, is the fibula the thigh bone? No, that's the femur. That's what our, our good okay. friend uh, Sean Furlong broke jumping off a cam bus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a tough. Okay. Yeah. The fibula is one of the two in the calf. Yeah. Um, yeah. He'll be back. That's, that's a, that's a good pick for, for Vaughn. Vaughn's got a good team again. It's annoying. Roethlisberger in the third, Allen Robinson in the fourth. Uh, that, that's a boomer bust. Mike Gillisley. But he can do that with Odell Beckham and DeAndre Hopkins. He, he kind of, with Odell Beckham. Hopkins, who knows? Who knows? I don't think Watson, I think they're going to start with Tom Savage. And I don't know what, I I know he had a really down year last year, Hopkins. I don't remember what he did in 2015. I think he, didn't he have another semi-down year? Hasn't he had two sort of down years in a row? Uh, I'm not sure. sure. But yeah, Vaughn's got a really good team. Uh, He's, he's loaded up on his Patriot running backs. That's for sure. You gotta have them all if you're gonna even try to win with him. You never know. Well, that racist didn't take the one white guy that's running the football for the Patriots. That guy went to Steve Blecka, Mr. Rex Burkhead, which is the ultimate white fullback name. Well, it's up there. Rex Burkhead. Rex. Um, yeah, so oh wait. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins had a hell of a 2015, never mind. So he only had he had a down year last year. But 2015 was Phenomenal. 111 catches, 1,500 yards, and 11 touchdowns. That's pretty goddamn good. Um, so we'll see if, if Vaughn's getting the the 16 or 15 version of Hopkins. I'd guess somewhere right in the middle. Um, I'd say 1,100 yards and 85 catches with six touchdowns. Who knows? <laughs> That's right off the top of my head. <laughs> but people don't want to hear my wild predictions that come up after two seconds. So uh, what else, what else hops out to you? Speaking of Hopkins at the draft here. Um, I mean, obviously there's, there's some injuries that came up that, uh, you know, we had, uh, yeah. that's been kind of, it's, it's been sad. Uh, well, and it, this happens every year. It seems really, really crazy that all these injuries happen in the, the preseason, but it happens every year and we just never quite get used to it. The shock always, uh, always hits us hard, especially for those who drafted those players. So I had Spencer Ware and unbeknownst to me, I think he went out with a leg injury while we were drafting or that night. Yeah. And, uh, he is out for the season with an ACL PCL yeah. injury. That benefits um, me big time. <laughs> do you have his, uh, running his replacement? I've got, I've got Kareem Hunt. I took him like, two picks before you picked, uh, let's see, you picked Spencer Ware with the first pick of the seventh round. Sixth. I picked seventh. I've got you the first pick of the seventh round. And I okay. have, 
I have Kareem Hunt with the seventh pick of the sixth round. Um, so I picked him one, two, three, three or four players before you. And yeah, we, I didn't know about that injury either. When I, when I picked Hunt, I just liked him better than where, and especially, you know, at that kind of point in the draft. And then even when we did hear uh, for the first few days after Spencer Ware's injury, it, they were saying that he would only miss a month or so, but yeah, now it's the full season. Uh, there, there are a couple other full season injuries. Julian Edelman was hurt that night as well. Yep. Uh, towards ACL. Sean Carr stole him in the seventh round until he realized that he was hurt for the year. And then it wasn't so much of a steal, but I think everyone's happy that Sean picked a, a player hurt for the year. And then there's also Cameron Meredith. Yeah. Poor Cam. Um, I think Bleka got him somewhere. Uh, pretty good value. I don't remember where he got him. Yeah. He got him in the 11. Yeah. I mean, for, Assuming if, if Meredith was healthy, he was going to crack a thousand yards almost, almost certainly. Um, I would say if he stayed healthy, uh, that would have been a good pick. It's too bad to see him go down. The bears don't have much in the receiving department. So, you know, Kevin white is going to have to step his game up and that was a good late round pick by me for Travis. Uh, so you're welcome, Travis. you got to help. You have a, you, I think I almost drafted better for Travis than I did for myself. He did a, I did a very good job for Nicholas. You uh, did, you did it, and you were, uh, you handed over the reins too on the times that he would pick uh, before you, and, and trying to be uh, fair about it. And I, I think we did a pretty good job drafting for him and and checked each other. Uh, we didn't give him any Packers, even though there were some good Packers on the board. Yeah. Uh, no, no shares of Eddie Lacy. No, um, I, I know what the boner champ likes, and the boner champ gets what he wants. Yeah, boners, boners the champion of them. Boner champ. Um, yeah, I think probably the best pick of the draft was Mitch Trubisky in the 12th round. I don't know if anyone has been watching him absolutely carve up people and eat their faces right off of them in front of their mothers, but he's been doing that all preseason. And I'm, I'm, I've got a Mitch Truboner right now just talking about it, and I can't wait to own him for decades and decades. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you might be able to, although he might not shine this year without Meredith there. You know, it'll be hard, but maybe that that white connection will be strong. The white connection? You mean white uh, quarterback to dominant white tight end, Adam Shaheen, who is my deep keeper sleeper? Yeah, I I expect that to go well, too, in addition to Kevin. Um, What about these deep keeper sweepers? Uh, Keep that tongue twister. Never tripped me up before, but... What, what do you see down here? I see a Devin Funches, which is interesting. Uh, that he's yeah. about the, the biggest name on there. I guess Lacan Treadwell as well. Um, otherwise, a bunch of guys that you know I don't really know much about. Um, I don't have the list in front of me. You want to just tell me real well, quick? I, I picked. Uh, I got Robbie Anderson, uh, New York Jet, Joe Williams, San Francisco, Curtis Samuel, Carolina. Adam Shaheen, Chicago. It's a great pick. John Ross, Cincinnati. It's a good one. Um, OJ Howard, Tampa Bay. Mike Williams, Los Angeles Chargers. Laquan Treadwell, Minnesota. Devin Funches, Carolina, and James Connor, Pitt. Yeah. Okay. Um, I like I like some of those. Uh, I don't really like yours, Ben. Robbie Anderson. You you do realize he plays for the Jets, right? Yeah, I know. And you know that Josh McCown 
Josh McCown is going to be throwing him footballs this year. I guess he's not on your team this year. So yeah, he's really not. It was, it was at the late end of the draft and, uh, you know, I was just pulling one out of the hat there. I mean, that's what this is. Some, I mean, there is some, obviously some skill to it too, but hopefully we'll get some gems out of this. It's always fun to see uh, a few of those deep sleeper keepers pay off. Yeah. I think people have put more thought into that uh, this year, which is fun. And it's, that's one of my favorite rounds. Uh, you know, I think you know, it might be like, it's obviously the Sean Carr round is everyone's favorite. Um, the first, first two rounds are a lot of fun. And then I think, the deep keeper sleeper round is, is my favorite. Uh, let's see who I, I like the Mike Williams one, but that's going to be a hard one to evaluate because I don't know if he's going to play much at all this year. Cause he's, he's hurt. So I don't know what his future looks like, but he was, a I think he went what number seven or overall. And, um, he should, he should do well if he gets on the field. We'll see. Well, and he can always, you know, keep him, you know, for the twelfth round value, anyway, as yeah. a wide receiver. I mean, that's yeah. It's just hard if you don't see a guy play at all, right? To keep him in that twelfth round, as as Vaughn was saying during the draft, he's like, I kind of would, I kind of would rather have my twelfth round pick than Jared McKinnon. <laughs> Although, <laughs> which is obvious. yeah, the, the, the players that were going behind him, and he's yeah, looking at those. Yeah, um, but though I think. You know, we as we talked about last year, we we know the player Jarek McKinnon is at this point, and we don't know what Mike Williams is. So that's a little bit different. It's a much higher upside pick with Mike Williams. Um, there's a lot of high upside picks with the deep keeper sleepers. I think that even if some of these guys don't get much run, a lot of them are rookies. And uh, I don't know what the hell Robbie Anderson is. I I think he's maybe a second year. Third, I don't know what he is. But a lot of these guys, I think. Pretty much everyone else in in there is a rookie. Devin Funches isn't a rookie, um, but I know Joe Williams is the the running back who John Lynch drafted for the Niners. Who notoriously John Lynch didn't know what his his name was when he was first uh, <laughs> mentioned in the draft room, and then decided to draft him. Um, Curtis Samuel is one of those. He's kind of like <laughs> Travis. Also has Christian McCaffrey, and those guys are similar skill set. So it'll be interesting to see how the, the Panthers get those two rookies on the field and what they do. And I don't know if they're, they're plan on lining Samuel up in the slot. Uh, I don't know how many touches he's going to get straight out of the backfield, but he's a dynamic player. It'll be interesting. Uh, Shaheen is a, he's a big, huge tight end, six, 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 seven, 270 pounds. Runs like a wide receiver. Used to play basketball. Always, it seems like a lot of tight ends used to play basketball. But yeah. uh, number eighty-seven, big white guy, uh, you know, baby Gronk right there. He's coming on. Uh, we'll see what he does this year. Coming out of a small school, so he might not have a big impact, but we'll see. He's got the potential. Um, Doesn't the name Baby Gronk belong to Kelsey? No. I, I think you got to kind of like mini Gronk or, well, maybe not baby Gronk, maybe toddler Gronk. Superior Gronk. Gronk. Better Gronk. Future better Gronk. That's Future what we'll go on. Gronk. Um, all right, let's uh, let's see. Uh, we don't need to spend much more time on the deep sleeper keepers. No, no, not at like all. I went for the sentimental value and picked a cancer survivor. That's, that's a really beautiful story. Thank you, Steve. Um, you have such a kind heart for picking James Conner, the hometown kid from Pittsburgh. Uh, 
then Howard went with the Chicago bred Laquan Treadwell, now playing up in mini. Um, we'll see what he does this year. I don't know why they spent a first round pick on him last year and he barely saw the field. So either something's either he's not who he's been since high school or uh, the Vikings are just weird and didn't want to play him. We'll see. Um, who am I missing? I feel like I've talked about most of everybody. Yeah, you, OJ Howard, he's you know, obviously a very talented tight end. And I've been hearing that they're going to use him more as a blocking tight end, which is weird. I guess he's a good blocker, but he showed at Alabama, you know, I remember that the 2015 national championship when he tore up Clemson, um, had about 200 something yards receiving. So he can run and catch too. He's not just a blocker. And that's a good, that's a I think that that Bucks offense is going to be good. So, yeah. Now, now, do we get points for blocking tight ends in this league? No. Oh, okay, I didn't think so, but I needed to check. It's my first year as commissioner, co-commissioner. I'm not sure. No, we don't. <laughs> not yet, but that's a little further away than getting points for missed field goals. But maybe one day they'll figure out a metric for good blocks from tight ends. Yeah. Well. I think that kind of wraps up the, the, our draft talk, and I, I was going to bring up some team names, but I'm going to give everybody a chance another week to, to think those over, and we can discuss those in uh, the week one matchups, the, the prelim to the week one matchups next week. Uh, we do good. have some changes coming and uh, some good ones. I think there's one uh, Trubisky quote that I, I somebody changed their name to, but I can't remember what it who it was. So I love kissing titties. I know, but How I do I not root for a guy that loves kissing titties and lets right. the whole world know it. You gotta, gotta love Mitchie Trubisky. He's coming well, Pete, on. Pete, what? Uh, before we wrap up, what's one thing you're looking forward to this week? This week. This week. Um, preseason ending. And that's the last little hurdle before uh, real football begins. And we can all breathe the sweet, crisp air of late summer. Let's hope we get an Indian summer and fall. uh, I love fall. I just, you know, especially now I'm not teaching anymore. I don't have to worry about going back to school. But I do have to find a job, which is no fun. But, uh everything about fall is the best other than going back to school. And so now I don't have to do that and I can just enjoy fall for its, you know, sweater weather and feeling fine to drink whiskey earlier because it's getting a little cold out. That's always fun. And this um, reminds me, Pete, we got, uh, some of us will be taking a trip to Austin next week. So we, we uh, might yeah. have to do an early Tuesday podcast. Um, Next week, but I, what I'm looking forward to, aside from that, I'll talk about that next week, but, uh, Akai football starts on Saturday. Oh, yeah. We College. got the Wyoming Cowboys coming into town. Ooh. And, uh, really? Yes. Oh. Are you going to go to that game? That, you know, their quarterback is supposed to be like a top five pick. I, you know what? I wish it was, but actually, uh, I'm kind of excited too. I'm getting, oh. another, spend another weekend at the lake, uh, my lake house this time. So. Oh, nice. nice. Well, you can watch it. I definitely will, with yeah. a nice cold beer in hand. Sounds good to me. And uh, speaking of those Wyoming Cowboys, I think there's a. Uh, actually, I don't want to. I don't want to mention this. I don't want to. I think maybe Bears fans know what I'm hinting at, but uh, I don't want to give away any secrets of <laughs> my thoughts. Um, 
I do want to share one uh, one fun couple of my favorite draft memories. Um, first off, uh, the song that played us in and is playing us out. I didn't. It was it was such a beautiful song. I didn't even realize it was uh, written by our own, written and performed by our own very own Steve Blecka. I thought it was just a radio jam at first, and then I was like, oh shit, the song is speaking to me, and it it transcended what the song was all about, and it, I was very happy. And then um, the second thing that I remember before I got browned out and hazy on the details uh while we were voting before the draft it was beautiful uh i was putting forth some of my like really really good ideas about kickers or whatever it was i was talking about and you were you were reading them off and shankar just in the corner going no no (laughs) no and then he got then you got to one that was mildly confusing and it didn't compute for shankar and so he was like no no explain (laughs) <laughs> just like the robot must process feed him more information <laughs> it was really uh if sean could appreciate beauty he would appreciate the beauty in that moment he was just pointing at his ears data goes in here <laughs> feed data here comes out mouth yeah a noise vaughn <laughs> oh, it, was, it was a great time love it love it every Good year draft. yeah block it off fellas next year um Oh, and I, I think this is going to be an unofficial rule, but well, we may have to vote on this too. I don't know. Maybe we could just instigate it, Pete, as commission, co-commissioners. But the winner yeah. of the the playoffs uh, gets to decide the locale of the the next year's draft. Um. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I no, I'm not okay with that. I I think that should be more of a communal decision and whatever works best for people. Uh, how about well, the, the winner well, of the playoffs can make a suggestion and we can go from there. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we can keep it communal. I think we, people do what, whatever best for getting everyone together. They're the agreed. most people. Agreed. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's, that'll be the rest of what we have for you guys this week. Uh, thank you again, Pete. Is there anything, anything else before we sign off here you want to share? Well, no, just uh, just that you guys can maybe make a little magic to this beautiful song that knocked Despacito off the top Billboard 100 uh, by performed and written by Stephen Blacka. You guys enjoy this. You know, we we put in our two cents at the beginning here of uh, the draft rules and everything, but please feel free to email and discuss and use use the thread open communication i've been preaching for years and years and years so if you have something to say go ahead and say it no one is going to judge you it's more fun when we get talk going sorry to ruin that transition that you were setting up there ben i just wanted to say that oh don't worry i'll cut it and reverse it oh (laughs) can you really do that sure we'll try Okay. You and if you want to come on the show and argue with us about it, uh, we are open to guest spots no matter where you live. Just yeah. join us on a live Google Hangout and we'll get it going. Cool. Yeah, that's something we should work in. We're going to try and do that this week, but we're already running really long and had a lot to go over. And is there anything anything else before we sign off here you want to share? Well, no, just uh, just that you guys can maybe make a little magic to this beautiful song that knocked Despacito off the top Billboard 100 uh, by performed and written by Stephen Blacka. Two, three, four.
you guys enjoy this. See ya. Love you, Ben. Love you guys. Love you, Pete. Love you guys. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, Sean Clark. In a circle jerk, you'd be the reservoir. And that smug grin on your face makes me want to kill you soon. Makes me want to shit on you, Sean Clark. Sean Clark, Sean Clark, Sean Clark, fuck you. In a circle jerk, you'd be the reservoir. And that smug grin on your face makes me want to shit on it. Makes me want to shit on you.